Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris Kimston. If we haven't met, I am the Young Adult and Missions Minister here at Lutheran Church of Hope Des Moines. Very excited to be with you, and uh, I am excited to be continuing a series as I spill water on my music stand. I'm excited to be continuing a series that we started a couple of weeks ago about the Holy Spirit. And a special welcome to all of you who are new because you're thinking to yourselves, perhaps, why did I pick of all the weeks to come when they're talking about the Holy Spirit? Because if we're perfectly honest, even those of us who are like familiar with this whole thing, it's kind of one of the lesser accessible pieces of Christianity, regardless of where you're at in your faith journey. Um, whether you, wherever you are on the spectrum of identifying as a Christian, following Jesus, to um, um, you know, kind of being um, agnostic about a lot of it, or all the way to like actively opposing Christianity, it's not going to cause a lot of controversy for me to say some of the things that that our faith stands for. If I say, um, me as a Christian, I believe that my faith tells me I shouldn't steal. I should treat people with kindness. I shouldn't murder. I, sh I you know, should love everyone. A lot of people are going to agree with that. And basically, everybody's going to agree with that. That's a part of a good society. Now, then when I say also a part of my faith is that a Holy Ghost lives inside of me and speaks to me, that causes some problems for some people. Understandingly so, uh, because without context, it sounds super creepy. And I can recognize that, and that's totally fine, because something you should know about me is that I am a naturally skeptical person. And I understand the irony of the fact that I'm the person who's been to seminary and is in front of you preaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, please don't misunderstand, and anybody can tell you, John, Eric, Jed, anybody else that works here can tell you, I ask the question, why? to basically everything that anyone wants to do because I just want to pick things apart and see um, what makes those things tick. What's the good thing at the center of that? I am a naturally skeptical person. And so my goal this evening is to demystify a little bit what it might be or what it might mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to demystify a little bit what it might mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then at the end, I'll try to remystify it just a little bit. Does that sound good? Okay, cool. Now, the Holy Spirit can be a really confusing topic for many different reasons. And one of the main reasons is because there's a lot of ways that people and church communities have used the Holy Spirit in the past. Um, one of those ways, unfortunately, is a lot of people will use the Holy Spirit as a measuring stick or as a litmus test for who is in and who is out, who's a real Christian and who isn't. Now, there's a lot of ways that, that different places, um, sometimes it's just people, sometimes it's churches, will use the Holy Spirit like this to try to kind of see who's, um, who's the best of them, so to speak. Sometimes that's an intentional thing. I had a seminary professor, a great seminary professor named Dennis Edwards, and um, he unfortunately grew up in a church community in which if he didn't display um, being filled with the Holy Spirit by a certain age, he was excommunicated from his church community. Um, basically, it doesn't really matter what it was specifically. It was um, he had to speak in tongues by a specific time, if you're not familiar with that, what that is. For the purpose of this sermon, it's a way that people demonstrate in certain traditions that they're filled with the Spirit. Um, it's a speech pattern, and he didn't, didn't feel it, so they kicked him out. And unfortunately, that's kind of an extreme example, but it's there. Usually, however, um, the thing that we should know is that the... Um, 
it's usually unintentional. That's to say people aren't trying to make other people feel bad. It's just that when you see someone else having an outward experience with God, aka those really spiritual people, you feel a little bit bad. You think that you yourself are feeling something and then you look and you're like, well, I guess the Holy Spirit might be for me, but I guess the Holy Spirit is really for that person. I, like, I wish that I could just like, pray like that person or maybe praise like that person or you know, fill in the blank like that person as a demonstration of an outward pouring of the Spirit. Oftentimes, we, whether it's intentional or unintentional, uh, we often want people to express the Holy Spirit in the way that we understand, in a way that we expect, and in a way that often looks like everybody else. Now, if we are honest, you know, we, we can react to this kind of inadequacy we can have in a couple of different ways. One way is that we, f- we fake it. We just mimic everybody else around us even if we're not feeling it, and guess what? That's fine because it'll help us fit in, but what that might do is rob us of a true experience with the Spirit. And the other extreme is that we just say, oh, you know, all of it is, you know, not for me, and then I'm just going to walk away from the whole thing because that's just a bunch of people making themselves feel good. These are the ways that we often deal with the pressure of being filled with the Holy Spirit, whether it's over or just kind of under the surface of our church's culture. And honestly, it shouldn't be any pressure at all because when we start to worry about other people and the way that they're praising God or the way that they're feeling the Spirit, all of a sudden you realize that's not between you and God, that's between you and another person. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's always between you and God. It's not about faking it, it's not about saying to heck with all of it. As with the case, is, as is often the case with Jesus, it's a middle way, it's the third way. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, let me say this is something I'd like to suggest with you and we'll break apart. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing, the presence of God for all of us, and it's experienced differently by different people, which we all are. Let me say it again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing, the presence of God, experienced differently by different people, which we are. Now, if we break that up, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing for each of us. In our scripture today that you heard read earlier in John chapter 7, Jesus is at a festival. Jesus is at a festival called the Sukkot Festival. And now at verse 37, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. Now, what Jesus is doing is not weird contextually. You see, at the end of this festival, what rabbis or religious leaders of the day would do is they'd come out with a big pitcher of water from a very specific place, and they would tell the story uh, in Numbers 10, which is when Moses whacked a rock with a stick and water came out, and it kept all of the Israelites from dying of thirst. This is like a thing that people did, was bring out water. Now, it said it was at the end of this festival, So what they did at the end of the festival, these religious leaders would talk about this character called the Messiah, which is the the big guy at the end of things that's going to make everything right. Now, we know that that character is Jesus because we have the whole story. So it would make sense that Jesus starts to talk about himself. 
using water references. It would have made sense to his community. But now, he uses a really interesting phrase that even if you've heard just a few Bible stories before, you go, I feel like I've heard this like little phrase before. He uses this thing called living water. You might think to yourself, um, our scripture says that he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but you're like, what's the whole living water thing? Well, even if you were just reading through the book of John, uh, just a few chapters earlier in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, the tweet-sized ver- like tweet version of this Bible story is that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman who he was not supposed to be talking to because they like, didn't get along at all. And she was at the well you know, where you get water at the hottest part of the day when nobody else was there because she was an outcast in society. She was considered a promiscuous woman. And Jesus, by religious law, is not even supposed to be talking to this lady. He's not even allowed to approach her according to religious law. And he walks up to her in the middle of the day and says, hey, can I have some water? And she says, why are you asking me for water? And he says to her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Her response is maybe your response, which is, what the heck are you talking about? His response in verse 13 is, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The important thing is, and our Bible verse for today that you heard read said, that when he's talking about living water, he's talking about the Spirit. The thing that we need to learn is that this water that he's talking about, this life-sustaining force, this Spirit that comes from God doesn't run out. It's not like a lot of other things in this world that we We'll, we'll, we'll drink coffee and we'll feel excited for a while and then we crash. There are things in this world that we use to give us some sort of um, spiritual, emotional, physical high and then we eventually come down from it. It's like the star in Mario when it plays the song and then you're invincible and then everything hurts you again after that. It's, it doesn't, <laughs> maybe that worked for like three people, that's totally cool. <laughs> we just won't do it tomorrow, that's fine. <laughs> Thanks, Saturday. Um, This force stays with you. Jesus doesn't just say it doesn't run out. He said it actually becomes a wellspring inside of you. It actually becomes a fountain inside of you. Meaning that that spirit, that thing that you get from God, doesn't go away. God isn't like some dealer that you have to keep going back to. God has given you a gift that stays and sustains and doesn't leave. The first thing that we need to know about being filled with the Holy Spirit is that it never leaves you. We often treat the presence of the Holy Spirit like, uh, like it somehow came from somewhere else. We, people say, God showed up. And not only is that kind of funny because where was God in the first place, it also suggests that now God has left and gone somewhere else. The truth is the Spirit of God, which is the presence of God, is closer to us than our next breath. It is in the very fabric of our existence and the God that created everything and knows you infinitely better than you could ever know yourself. The God that created all things and has been with you long before you ever believed or knew that he was there. He was always there and he always will continue to be. 
And this isn't just when you feel really good, when you hear a really good worship song or you hear a sermon or you hear something like that. It's when you're feeling happy, but it's also when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling excited, when you're feeling terrified, when you feel close to others, when you feel alone. Even when you feel the farthest from God, God is not far from you. Sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like something that is only around when things are good. And I think that shortchanges God a little bit. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. The next thing about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is acknowledging that God is with you. So understand the subtle difference. We all can know that God is with us and doesn't go away. But then it's the act of acknowledging that God is present. It's taking a moment, taking a breath, and sitting in the fact that God is right there and is never going anywhere. We're talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So not only do you just have to know that God is there, it's actually stopping. It's actually slowing down and going, there you are, God. Uh, John and I were talking about this earlier this last week, and he shared a really helpful metaphor, which is, you know, like on your furnace, you have a, or like your water heater, you have a pilot light. So sometimes when that fire really gets going, when you really need hot water, that fire is like, and you can feel it, and there's evidence that it's there, and you can hear it, you can see it, um, and that's really great, but even when you are at your coldest water, even when you're not running your furnace like on you know, a day like today or this last week, even if you go down there and you look, there is still the smallest spark. That flame has not go- gone out. That pilot light, by very definition of what it is, never goes out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is with us. It's not filled and raging, and sometimes life is getting in the way, and all it takes is stopping, turning our attention back to that little pilot light. It's the act of turning your attention away from the swirling chaos of the world and looking back to the cross. And everything that it represents, it's the act of turning back towards God. It's asking God, what do you have for me in this moment, in this circumstance? What do you have? Because no matter who we are, no matter our circumstance, this is true for all of us. Wherever we're at in our faith journey, this is how we all receive that presence of the same God. Remember I said, you know, it's all about receiving the same thing. So it's knowing he's always with us. It's acknowledging that he's with us, taking that step to slow down. And results may vary because we are all different people, meaning we all experience these things differently. Because God made you individually, and you therefore experience the presence of God differently. So often, like in in churches, um, the, the focus is like, the Holy Spirit is here, and like people are pumped, and there's like a huge drum build, and that's really great. And sometimes it's like lightning, and sometimes it's like writing in the sky, and the Holy Spirit is here, and people are pumped, and they're, you know, you can see it, and you can sense it. And if that is you, please hear me, you should receive that, the Spirit that way. If that is you, absolutely, between you and God, you should go for that. And the people that, some of the people that I love and respect and believe in more than anything in the world, that's how they often interact with being filled by the Holy Spirit. I can only speak for myself. 
Um, but I have an inkling that I am not alone. I've actually been, I've been in case you're new, I've been very uh, open with my uh, struggles with anxiety in the past, clinical anxiety. I'm a very anxious person. And my natural disposition, for better or for worse, is always really excited. I always got a lot of energy. There's always this like buzz going that's like, okay, here we go. And that's both good and bad. But when you, if you describe the presence of the Holy Spirit as an overwhelming, huge burst of energy, friends, that doesn't sound that great to me. That doesn't, that doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound like it's from heaven. It sounds like it's a little bit of somewhere else. Instead, for me, my experience of the Holy Spirit has been when I, in the times in my life that I have had no doubt beyond any shadow of a doubt in my mind that I have experienced the presence of God to the one time in my life when everything is still. Everything is quiet. It's this holy peace that sits over me because we all experience this differently. Sometimes for a lot of people it's really big, but sometimes it's something else. We all experience this differently. An example uh, maybe of this perhaps, uh, a year ago, really this, this week actually, um, I got the opportunity to go to Africa. I was working for, the Twin C- uh, for a Twin Cities nonprofit. It's actually an inter- uh, international nonprofit, World Vision, if you've heard of it. Um, it. They help people raise money for clean water in Africa. And it was, it was a great job. And um, basically, my gig was I went to churches and convinced them to start running teams. So people would run, I would train people to run marathons so that they could raise money for clean water. And it was, it was incredible. And there are people all across the country that work for this organization. It was really great. And I get a call a year ago this week. They said, hey, Chris, in six days, do you want to go to Africa for two weeks? Everything is taken care of. It's all been arranged. Somebody had to step out at the last moment, and they thought of you. I was like, yes, please. And so, less than a week, I found myself in Africa. I got shots the day before we left, just like you're supposed to. And it was really great. And listen, this is why it was great. I was like, why would the stars align for me to get this, this opportunity? Why would this thing happen to me specifically? I was like, because God is going to speak to me. I was ready for the big experience. I was ready for the sky to open up. The heavenly choirs were going to be singing. I was like going to get struck by lightning and I was going to have like this new superpower. No, maybe I'm mixing my metaphors now. Um, I was going to get this new word from God. I was so excited for this outpouring of the Spirit in my life. I was just so ready. I was like, God, hit me anytime. We're good to go. So one night we're in Durban, South Africa. It's on the southeast coast of Africa. Um, And I had the opportunity to go out and swim in the Indian Ocean, a thing I never thought I would ever be able to say I could do. You do not become or endeavor to become a, a local pastor for the frequent fire miles. I never thought that I would ever be there. But, and yet here, I found myself. There was nobody out there. I have no idea why. And I was like, I'm going to go out and swim. And so I went out at the end of the long day. I'm swimming. 
I'm like ready to, the water is just beautiful and warm. This, the sun was going down, this is like an hour or two before this actually, it was going down over the, uh, over the water in the city and it was just like incredible colors and I look back towards the shore and there's the whole city of Durban that just starts to light up because the lights are coming on and it was incredible. And you know what I received in that moment? It was not like, the Holy Spirit. It was like the absence of all of that. But in the best way, it was this quiet, it was this peace, it was this stillness in my soul. The Bible talks about the voice of God sometimes being a small, still voice. And the only thing I heard was that still, small voice go, isn't this beautiful? Here I was like walking through all of these opportunities in this trip going, where is God trying to speak to me? A little narcissistic. <laughs> but like trying to like pull out every bit of meaning in this trip when really God stopped me out in the middle of the Indian Ocean on the coast of Africa and goes, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this good? Isn't this holy? And it was a peace that I had never felt before. It's powerful. So friends, if you hear anything that I say tonight, anything at all, it's the experience of the Holy Spirit at its core is experiencing the presence and love of God. I'll say it again. The experience of the Holy Spirit at its core is experiencing the presence and the love of God. The point is never the experience itself. Some of us, can, you, you can chase holy experiences. Sometimes it becomes like a drug, because guess what? Sundays are really awesome and Mondays are really hard. So if I could just never feel the Monday, if I could keep the spiritual high from Sunday, then I'll just never have to deal with all of the problems. But it's never about the experience itself. It's all about God. The point isn't that you feel the presence of God. The point is that God is there with you. The point isn't the experience itself that cheapens it. The point is that here is God with you, and you get to stand there in that moment and realize it. So the invitation for us this evening, maybe in this upcoming week, maybe for the first time in your life, maybe for the quadrillionth time in your life, is to consider... What would acknowledging the presence of God in your life look at? Instead of losing it over Jerry the, in accounting or l just absolutely laying into that one person or just like that moment of self-doubt that happens at the same time in every circumstance, whatever that ends up being for you, what would it look like to step back to try to find the pilot light and say, God, it's really hard right now, and I don't feel you, but taking a second and going, there you are, God. There you are with me. How might that change our week? How might that change our lives? What might that do? So demystifying, it's the same, it's the, we're receiving the same thing, the Spirit of God, and experiencing it differently. Summarizing, we we know that God is always with us and we stop and we slow down and we recognize it and then experience it based on our own context and our own lives and our own places based on how God made us. That seems to demystify it 
pretty well, I would say, especially for maybe those of you who think this is all a little nuts. Like, hopefully, I have served that purpose because now I'm going to try to remystify it just a little bit. I made it less spooky, and now I'll try to make it more spooky for a very specific purpose. A couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to go to a place uh, called uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. And if you, um, if you know Bethel Music, we do a lot of their music here. Uh, they're incredible. And we were there for a leadership conference. Uh, it was like leadership, like learning how to like lead organizationally. They're an incredible church. And so we were there, a bunch of us were there to learn from those leadership models. Now, they're also a Pentecostal church. So I don't know if you have any context for that, but I sure didn't. And so Lutheran kid... Here he comes into a Pentecostal church, and I saw a lot of things that I have not seen before. And if they have a very specific way that they interact with the Holy Spirit. They have very specific ideas about what it is. So it's, it's all very big, and that's part of their culture. But they also talk a lot about the incredible, miraculous things that God can still do in this world, and does. And I recognize that with my brain, and say, yes, God can still perform miracles in this world. But... Remember, I'm a skeptical guy. I'm like, all right, that's great. Yes, I agree, but like, really? Like, and so we're, here we are, and we go to this thing. We have the opportunity towards the end of this trip to go to something called, and I know how this is going to sound to some of you, we got to go to this thing called the Healing Rooms. Now, basically all it was is anybody who had some sort, who was dealing with something internally, emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, anything, some people coming with, from a long way with um, physical maladies, all these, the whole spectrum of suffering, they could come in and get prayed for. Now, I don't know if you, if you've never been prayed for, I would encourage it. I love getting prayed for because it's just like so encouraging. It's just like people encouraging you speaking over you things that I know is true. And so I was like, listen, why not? Let's do this thing. Healing rooms, let's go. Um, we, they handed us a sheet where we could write things we wanted prayed for. I could think, I thought of three things that I could be uh, prayed for that I would like, you know, um, made better in my life. I only wrote down two of them. So I go and I hand my sheet to a very nice Northern European woman named Selena who has a great accent. I don't know where it was from. I didn't speak to anyone about what I wrote down on the sheet or what I was thinking about it. I didn't put it on a computer. I didn't say a word about it. I just wrote it on a piece of paper. It was face down when I handed it to her. She took it, she put it down, and just like we do here when we pray for people, she said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And I said, sure can. She put her hand on her shoulder. She looked me in the face and paused for a moment. And then she prayed for all three things, both the things I put on the sheet and the thing that I didn't. And she mentioned, I was thinking about Kelsey at one point, and she mentioned Kelsey's favorite worship song. Now, I don't know what to do with that. I still don't. Please understand, skeptical guy, I don't know what to do with that in my previous context. But the reason that I bring this up isn't to be weird. It isn't to be creepy. It's to say that there's this thing called the ineffable. Ineffable means something that is beyond human language or comprehension. And the reason that I bring this up, friends, is because my most sincere hope is that even though I am this person who'd like to have it all figured out. I want to demystify it all, but guess what? I, my hope is that the presence of the Holy Spirit is not some mental exercise, that it isn't just something that happens in the recesses of our broken minds. Because we can hold that in one hand and say, look, I, look at my theology. Look how much I have it figured out. Look how much scripture I know. Look at all of the things I have figured out. And then in my other hand, I go, there is wonder in the world. 
There is beauty and there are things that I will never be able to explain. Sometimes great, sometimes awful. But God, the, the spirit of God is thick in those moments. Wonder. It's looking into your child's eyes for the first time. It's seeing your spouse for the first time on your wedding day. It's watching the life leave someone at the end of theirs. It's hearing the uninhibited belly laugh of a toddler. It's walking alone in the woods and all of a sudden realizing that there is life all around you. There's wonder in this world. So we can try to figure it out and we can have good thoughts about it, but don't ever lose the experience of wonder because that is the spirit. May we see the times in our lives that we're being invited to wonder to beauty and to the true expression of what it means to live in this world, which is to do it with God. And that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen.